Welcome to Stories from the Pitch, a podcast dedicated to creating a living oral history about street performing and some of the crazy characters who populate this world. I'm Magic Brian, your host for this growing collection of interviews. This episode is another interview I did while on a gig in Sharjah for Dolphin Creative in January of 2020, back when we could gather crowds. I spoke with Pete Anderson, a.k.a. Pete Dobbing, about his journey through the wonderful world of street theater. He talks about how his desire to hang upside down in a straitjacket and forming a juggling society in university set him on a path to becoming a street performer. He talks about the evolution of his show, his hesitation to work Covent Garden, and his first time in Glastonbury playing invisible drums for Herbie Treehead. He shares stories about his nine-month tour of the world, past versions of his shows, working cruise ships with George Orange, and in his early days balancing a teaching job with street performing. I really enjoyed my conversation with Pete. We had a lot of laughs, and I found his journey quite unique. All right, how are you feeling? Tired. All right, right now I'm all right, yeah. The right. mornings are hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good morning, Pete. Good morning. Um, we're in Sharjah. Yeah. United Arab Emirates. It is um, January 22nd, 2020. You're the first interview of 2020. Wow. Um, Pete Dobbing, now Pete Anderson. Yeah. Don't say that. You gave up your name for your wife. Yeah, sort of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I moved it. Yeah. Across into a different industry. Oh, what do you mean? Well, I, I, do, I do comedy. I'm aware of that. So, as well as street theatre, so I... Um, I kept so my 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 birth name is Peter Dobbing, Peter John Dobbing, um, and I started street performing as Pete Dobbing, and then I started doing comedy, uh, and before I started doing comedy, a guy said, who's a booker, said, "Ah, oh, Dobbing, that's a funny name. You'll do well." <laughs> um, anyway, when we got married, uh, we I took Hazel's name, took my wife's name, uh, so I became Mr. Anderson, Pete Anderson. Uh, but I kept the dobbing as the comedy character. Because well, it's a funny name. name. Well, and it, uh, yeah, I can't remember. There's many reasons. But yeah, um, That's yeah so this, so I am Pete Dobbing. If I'm doing stand-up comedy, no props, man on the mic, mm-hmm. talking, or sometimes hosting with no props, something like at Glastonbury. So oh, that'll be Pete Dobbing. But then the street performer is... Pete Anderson. Interesting. Pete Anderson's on set. It's not interesting. It's complicated. It's kind of it is interesting. <laughs> it's interesting because you, you had your career, and we'll go through that, yeah. your career as a street performer, as Pete Darling, and then you left that yeah, behind. Transition, yeah, Did it confuse anyone? Like, who is this guy? See, he's on a ladder. Like, the Pete Darling I've seen before, but his name is Anderson. I don't... Yeah, I don't know who... It yeah, I'm not sure how much following oh, okay. I have. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, let's Shep though, Shep Huntley said, don't, what did Shep say? Don't change your name because you need them to follow you. Uh-huh. But I don't, I don't think you didn't listen to him. No. No. Um, well, anyways, let's, let's go then from the beginning. How did you get started? What did you do? What I your... did... Before, I did lots of... Where did you grow up, first of all? I'm from London. I grew up in London. Wow, in London. East, in London's East London. Yeah. City boy. Yeah, East London, sort of... Um, Hackney, Mare Street, uh, Bethel Green, so East London, North East London. Is it rough back then? Yeah, yeah. I think so. We lived in a, like a quite a tidy little nice little mini section within a fair, 
mixed roughish area I went to mm-hmm. quite a roughish no it wasn't I don't know it's how do you know what's well, I rough. guess it's so perspective isn't it I suppose yeah. um, what you're used to um, but now it's very like New York it's very you know it's yeah. like areas that you would you've blown away that they're trendy and they're <clears> incredibly like sort of not even a rough area it's like a nothing area between two areas that, mm-hmm. that sort of place is now yeah. super hard it's really weird so yeah London um, and then I did lots of I was interested in magic when I was a kid read lots of books never really did much performing just annoyed my friends and siblings uh, but really interested in the mechanics of it and and then did a uh, 16 16 to 18 the last two years of high school what you call high school you, we chose I chose maths electronics and drama yeah. theatre studies and the theatre studies the performance element I felt the least like work right and enjoyed I, it the most I enjoyed that the most and then we I just went to university because that's uh, so you pick a subject but it's just like well, I, what do I, I don't know what I don't know what I don't know what I want to do what I do the one and this is all in London you stayed in London no no you, so university I went to Aberystwyth which is a seaside town okay which is five hours by car from London which is far, for the UK yeah that's really far really far yeah. and by train it's five hours which is further than Edinburgh right. because it's local little local yeah so I, I studied theatre uh, the degree was drama because that I looked at I did looked at different options and that seemed like although my first uh, year was half of my optional modules were in computer science and half my, and then my core modules were all in drama so technically my first year of my degree was actually a joint degree between drama and and uh, computer science but then I dropped all the computer science and just did the on drama. performance so I, I wanted and I, I then my, and then after university so was it like acting classes. And you did plays? Very what? mixed, really modular. So there was um, theory, there was technical stuff, so sound design, set design, Indian theatre as a module, uh, 17th century drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, so lots of different modules taught by different people. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, ch- lots of it was selective. That's what I liked about it as well. So you could choose, I'll do. So I did, again, quite a lot of the technical stuff. And you can choose, make it up. And the, 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 the really nice thing about this course in Aberystwyth was the first semester of the final year, so it's a three-year course, is, is almost entirely practical. So there's no exams, there's no written work. Oh. You just make shows. That's so great. you're involved in three shows in three months. And you'll, depending on what your modules are, you'll do different things. So I did like a big acting role in one and did a small acting role in another and did the Technical. sound design for that one. Right. And I did... A, the set design for a third or something like that so that's one of the things that drew me to it was the avoidance of written work and yeah. just the practical yeah, you're actually doing thing. something yeah. yeah that's great and then you were you were just playing around with magic then still or just you just were focusing yeah I, I'm not sure where when I I never really performed it much in any form money form or capacity just played but, around with it but I sort of where I could I did but I didn't have any options yeah. And I bought us had a had a Davenport's straight jacket, okay, with the red stripe, uh-huh. the V, and um, I wanted to do it suspended, and I was trying to figure out how to do it suspended, 
So I found the bungee jumping company in. in the, well, you want to do the suspended wear, so what? Just because. Just to try. Again, just wanted to do because that's a cool trick, right? Uh-huh. So I just wanted to do that. So I. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is when you were in college, or yeah, university? yeah. So twenty, yeah, yeah. nineteen twenty. And I fa- so I looked online and found a bungee jumping company that would sell bungee jumping equipment. And I said, "Hi, can I order a bungee harness? But I want the 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 bit from the ankle to the." Carabiner to be as short as you can make it, and they said, "Oh well, that's not safe. I'm, I'm not. I'm never going to use it for bungee jumping. I want to hang by my ankles in a stray jacket. But I, but I, I don't want it. I want the most height. So can you? And so they yeah. had this, this thing made for for a few hundred quid. But even so, before so before that, I met a guy. I met this guy, um, my mate Adam, uh, who was his dad was a theatre director and a te- theatre teacher, and so. He's, a, he's like a technical guy, but he knows theatre, and he does theatre design, lighting design. He still mm-hmm. is a lighting designer. I met this guy at a party, and this my version of this, this is 20 years ago. My version is, I'd heard he was, I just didn't really know him, but he was a juggler, and he was a theatre technician, and a climber. And I was like, and he knew about theatre, and I was like, well, this is the guy who can hang me from my ankles. Because mm-hmm. he's a climber, mm-hmm. and a rigger, and a juggler, so he get he gets he, it. Gets, he knows why it's he, not a weird request. Yeah, he he can handle this. He's qualified yeah. for this. So um, so I uh, I my memory again. It's all was at this bonfire party. I was like, hey, could you hang me from my ankles? <laughs> and what? And uh, and so we tried it. So we're at this park, and I think it, this was before the bungee harness. So we had like uh, tea towels, you know, dish rag, you know, yeah, drying towels, yeah, and climbing straps around my ankles and then a rope over a branch of a tree and then we needed a low point to tie to but there wasn't one so we brought, drove a car on and tied it to the tow hitch on a car so it's like tow hitch car ankles up over a tree and hanging out in the park and he's a juggler so he's you know like jugglers like hacky not quite hacky sack but you know yeah. like the hacky sack vibe in yeah, the university so he's juggling I'm doing electronic release or whatever and we're just hanging out in the park and that was fun, you know. University, you can imagine the scene. Yeah. So that, so we did that a few more times. We just sort of hang out with other juggler, you know, and sort of connected with the juggling community. Well, what are you doing with this straight jacket? You're in the. Yeah, I don't know. Just like that was the purpose to be there was to sort of can we work out how to. But you never did it. Not just, to anybody. Just well, no, I don't think we kept doing the straight jacket. That's just how it started. Yeah. And then so that became, and then I sort of learned to juggle. I, I think I, I had learned to juggle briefly years before but I wasn't really a juggler and then I became a juggler hanging out with him and then at university they had a um, a system where if you could get 20 signatures you could form a society uh-huh. and if you formed a society you could get funding uh-huh. and the basic funding was £200 but if it was for the purpose of the society and you got the signatures to preview so we thought we're like well if we get 20 signatures we can get some juggling equipment and you can use rooms for free because it's university so we formed the juggling society in the university, oh. so once a week we had an empty room with a high ceiling, and we had two hundred quid's worth of basic juggling props. So we just have a hangout. And whether about twenty of you or more? Oh yeah, yeah, we got enough signatures, and then it was sort of around that or rotating. Yeah. And the the nice thing about Aberystwyth is an old one of the old seaside towns, um, but anyway, it faces directly um, west, so you get sunset over the sea. I mean, you're still in Wales, yeah, in, in the UK, yeah, but it's still a lovely sunset. sunset. So we're university guys, so we juggle fire on the beach at sunset a lot and hang out. And then that's when the, the street thing started because 
jump, if you're jumping fire at sunset, people are going to show people up. People are going to start, and you kind of get the the revelation about street performing happens, and you go, oh, hang on, now we can ask for money. Oh, okay, how can we do this more effectively? And you kind of, you know, you re- it's when you discover street performing for yourself. And you yes. go, oh, hang on, this could. But for you, growing up in London, you must have. No, I don't have any real memories of nothing. I remember going to Covent Garden, but we didn't go because we. The, yeah, I. This was Growing up in the eighties. Yeah, so born in seventy eight. So yeah, yeah. Like the show age kid. All yeah. The eighties, which is this huge boom time in Covent Garden, but I think it's this London thing about some people from London never go to never sure. go to the West Piazza because it's too busy. And yeah. It's a tour. You don't go to Trafalgar Square. And you don't go to yeah. Garden. I don't go to Times Square. <laughs> you don't go to Times Square. I, I, I took Dino through Times Square once because my sister works near there, and I was like, "I'm just going to show you this because we're never going to come up yeah, here." Yeah, exactly. You stay in your neighborhood. You go to neighborhoods. You don't go to the places. That... No, it's not for you. No. I have memories of going to the Covent Garden area. Yeah. Because the directly north of the performing area used to be warehouses, uh-huh. and that's like the big shopping place in Covent Garden. And over the last however long. 30, 40 years, that area is massive. Since the 60s, really, that area has really changed. Mm-hmm. It's almost weird that I don't have a, as a Londoner, have any yeah. connection with Covent Garden as a child whatsoever. Yeah. And then, so yeah, so me and this guy, we Adam, we decided um, we didn't know what to do when we left university. But I think I wanted to learn how to do street performing, so we sort of formed a double act because it's easier as a double, and we're like, well, how are we going to. It just seemed easier. We knew that Australians came. I don't know how I think we were interested in some, <laughs> I don't know how you, uh, any of this information came from but it seemed like was this, this in the 90s now? this is the early 2000s early 2000s 1999 99 it seemed like Australians travelled uh-huh. here so we could go it seemed like there was a circuit uh-huh. and to just sort of get away from your own world and be somebody else and learn something else because it's the awkward humiliating process of learning street for me it seemed easier to have go well we'll go there and when we're there we'll have to make it work because we need money because you have to it'll be easier so yeah. we'll be backpackers and as backpackers we'll learn to be buskers right because you're 20 something and that seems like a fantastic 20, idea yeah and also we just left university and I got out with a theatre degree drama degree and I want to be a street performer. And I don't, so what's the pro? What's the? So it wasn't like I want to be an actor. It was I want to be a street. Performer. I wanted. I, I sort of wanted to be an actor, but I'm, it seemed like you have to be to be an actor. Even then, you needed to be good, lucky, hardworking, and attractive. Or <laughs> <laughs> really weird looking. <laughs> so attract distinctive appearance, either uh-huh. conventionally attractive or extremely unconventional. Uh-huh. And lucky, and good, and hardworking, and I believe I was—I am good. I'm good and at you know I'm good at acting. I think I—I—I I, I believe I'm a, I'm averse to hard work. I right. like I do actually work really hard. Yeah. But in my head, my way my brain works. It's like, no, get out of it. Well, How can like, you get out? Of it? Which is what street performing is. Yeah. It's the easy. It's the hardest easy life. Well, that's like, even going back to <laughs> when you were in 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 high school. You know, yeah. when you I'll do, do the drama, yeah, because it's easier than yeah, and it's not easy. It's not easy. It's just different. Yeah, but like, it's street... only easy because you enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is street performing. It's so hard. It is it's, hard. It's but in your head, it's like, oh, this is the easy way. Yeah, and it's the hardest easy way. It is. <laughs> this is the stupidest thing. I'll just go to, to, to go out in a square and just <laughs> convince people to look at you and then pay you at the end. Yeah. It so so yeah, so we went backpacking. We bought a round the world ticket. Wow, and then the trip was booked was 
California, Hawaii, Fiji, New Zealand, Australia, Vietnam, Laos, Thailand, and then India. But I think I didn't do India. How many months is this trip? This is um, eight, nine months. Wow. So it was like, and this is what's it is fun, this is 20 years ago now. Yeah. This trip, this trip is now. We're in January, January. so we've just landed in Australia. We were in, um, in, we were in New Zealand in December, <clears throat> and we went to Sydney for Millennium. <clears throat> but yeah, so we went to that, and then in, um, went to LA. So, so stayed in the hostel, watched some shows. I think we tried half to do a show on. So your plan the whole time was to try to do shows in all these places, or was it? No, the plan was to do adventure? the places in the in the. In Australia, okay, it was to get to Australia, right? But because it, but you, you had the sense that Australians were coming to the UK to do shows. I just knew there were places you could do it, uh-huh. and sit. And I you don't know f- how I to thought. get that information. You don't remember where that came no. from. No, huh. no, I got. An, I don't know. Did we go to? A, maybe we went just to a convention or something. But oh. yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's weird. You just don't remember where you, yeah. how you got your ideas. We like, oh, let's yeah. do that. It's great though. So California, yeah. where did you go? Like the Venice Beach or something? Yeah, we stayed in a hostel, short short bus from cab from Venice and Beach, and we had a look. And my main memory of staying there was um, there was a soda machine that sold like Pepsi and Seven Up, and then the bottom two were out of order. <laughs> and they said, "Yeah, that one's." Budweiser <laughs> the first and it was beer the bottom two out of order they said out of order but they were beer and you could put money in and it was beer in Austin I was that's fantastic wow isn't that great yeah it's amazing and yeah we watched some shows and I think we tried to do a show and it was through a fire torch when in the audience oh that's great um, I don't even yeah but we had no idea that yeah. was super early for us uh, yeah so before you before you left, you didn't really have a show. You just were playing around on the beach to, and and passing a hat to people who were. Yeah, I think it. we did. Some, we had a, like a tried a weekend in Bath, and so we'd worked out. You know, when you work out, when you're really new, you obsessively work out and pra- like nine year olds mm-hmm. practicing a musical routines. You work it out. You this and this. And, yeah. You know. How long do you think the show was when you guys were first doing it? I don't know. Twenty minutes. Yeah. Some ju- juggling. I did the straight jacket, hit juggle fire. Oh, you did the straight jacket. Too high, yeah, not suspended. Right. Yeah, so straight jacket, electronic release, mm-hmm. straight jacket, fire jacket. I think in these super early days, he juggle fire. By the time we got to LA, we were passing fire badly. Okay. Because that's why you threw one of you could just about ju- if one of you's good, the other one yeah can carry the other one passing fire. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a bit of fire juggling and a straight jacket and an electronic release right. in, in, a, in like in a bag, which is really nice. It was super quick. Uh-huh. And then after California, Australia, Hawaii, oh Hawaii, which is great. So September in Hawaii, and just hung out, drunk, and yeah. staying in little shacks, and uh, being just being just those guys backpackers, you know, yeah. big backpackers, just stopping in parks and passing. Torches. We didn't. Well, no, we didn't really get. We didn't really do much performing in. But you probably practicing all the time. Yeah, I think I did some. I tried, had a gut. I'm gonna have a go, and I went down to the beach and started. And what guy, island were you on, Hawaii? Uh, 
Uluwahu, I think. Okay. And then a, a, a like a police buggy, a golf buggy, pulled up. Like I didn't even have an edge. And he watched me for ages, and he came over and said, "I've been watching you for a while, trying to work out how what you're doing is illegal." <laughs> <laughs> and I've been calling the guys, and you're not allowed bonfires here. <laughs> And because you're not allowed to do bonfires, this isn't allowed. <laughs> but really yeah. reasonable. Uh-huh. No, I wasn't in any trouble. Yeah. Like, I knew it wasn't allowed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I had to come invent, work out how it wasn't allowed. Yeah. And in a very reasonable way. Uh-huh. No malice whatsoever. Yeah. Could I have to ask you to stop because I've eventually worked out why this isn't illegal. <laughs> I made some phone calls to the yeah. boys back at yeah. the station. Yeah. I got the team we on looked, it. We looked through the books and we... The closest we could do is bonfire. Bar- bar- oh, no, no, barbecues. Oh, barbecues. Bar- yeah, barbecues. <laughs> now, I know there's no meat involved here, but there's a fire, so I'm yeah, going to yeah. you on that. Yeah. Oh, God. And it was fine. It wasn't working anyway, so that's fine. Yeah. So really in Australia. Oh, then, so in Christchurch, I went to New Zealand. And we ended up doing, working in a, in a warehouse in New Zealand. Like, we did rubbish backpacker jobs along the way. Because mm-hmm. we weren't yet still yet making... It, we never even really did in Australia. And then he kind of... And then I worked in a seafood restaurant. And he worked wherever he worked. So we just became backpackers. And it didn't really happen. But I had a great trip and met JP I got a dangerous props license from JP in Darling Harbour in no for Sydney for, for Circular Key in, in 2000. 2000 yeah so you so turned up you found the piss I saw yeah yeah so we did a couple of shows we did a few shows <coughs> on the um, the, art, the art museum the modern art gallery or something I can't remember yeah. what it's um, so we did some shows there. and by then it was nice it was a straight jacket with a trying to find a card in the straight jacket, and then which is sort of a rip off of some stuff I saw. Um, who's the Mancunian Who? Uh, magician in, in the UK from Manchester? Uh, Paul Zenon. Oh, Paul, Paul Zenon. Yeah. I used to watch him on TV when I was a kid. He did yeah. some good TV, kids' TV magic. Like right. I was the right age for it. Uh-huh. And he did pine glass out of the straight jacket, which uh, okay. really stayed with me. So I did straight jacket. Is that your card? No, is that your card? So cards coming up through the collar. Oh, nice. And then, hang on, and then, what, this is, this is, I used to have a shaved head, because I was going bald then, uh, and then, <laughs> then the a phone would ring, and then I would answer the phone through the collar of the straitjacket, uh-huh. and, and then it'd be like, oh no. So you had like a whole soundtrack for the show. Yeah, I think maybe I had a, a bike bat, I don't remember how I made the ringing sound, but I'd answer it, hello? And I, sorry, stop the show. And this is still a duo show. This is a duo show. So I'm in a straight jacket and he's watching me trying to find these cards. I'd answer the phone and I'd start having like a brief conversation. Hold the show, hang on. Just, yeah. No, he's here, yeah, yeah. Hang on, okay. And it's for you. I'd hand it to him and he'd stretch the cable out. And he'd be like, yeah, yeah, okay, hang on. Yeah, yeah, hang on. And he'd sort of indicate to me that he needed a pen. And then I'd, oh yeah, give him a pen. This is great. Yeah, no, this is really funny. Straight you got a lot of stuff inside that straight jacket. And then, yeah. <laughs> was it really big on you? Uh, so, like, so he, and then he'd take a pen, and then he'd, he'd, he'd like have no paper. And I had a bald head, so he'd write, he'd take a number, and I'm in the straight jacket, and he's writing a number on my head. 
and then he pulls the and then okay bye okay sketch later and then he'd pull the phone and the cable would keep coming and then it would be string and then it was a wash uh, underpants there's a washing line <laughs> wow and then at the end it was a bra and a bra uh-huh. of course no not a bra it was a washing line and then it was cards on pegs on a washing line Jesus. was that your card no was that your card no Okay, forget it. <laughs> you get this all set up inside of a strip jacket. In Australia, it's like, you know how hard it is. Yeah. And then, um, so that would all go. And like, back to routine, right, count down, ten. And then throw the straight jacket on the floor and escape. And I was, oh, the T-shirt. The T-shirt came off. The last thing was the T-shirt uh-huh. on the washing line. And then the straight jacket came off and I was topless, apart from a bra. <laughs> and then the card was in the bra that I was wearing. It's brilliant. And that's the routine. That's so, brilliant. yeah, so the beginning of this... It's a great idea. Bef- I mean, better for stage, but still. Yeah, so the routine is straightjacket escape with a phone, a bra with a forced card, mm-hmm. <laughs> a washing line, a pen, a pen, all this in, the, in somehow. You don't remember how you... Underpa- just in my underpants. I've just spent my career hiding things in my underpants. Yeah, like the phone. I think the phone's... Under your, it's a full size telephone. <laughs> you shoved it like an old in your crotch, like an old. Fa- yeah, no, like like cupping you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like tucked, like a drag, yeah. like a tuck. Yeah. So there's a full size phone answer, tucked in my underpants and a bra and a card in the bra and a <laughs> string, like two meters of string with playing cards on full size clothes pegs. Are you underpants. are you arriving on the pitch in the straitjacket? <laughs> no, no, no. So you're walking around with a phone cup yeah, in your the balls. Yeah, the first half of the show is 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 that. You've got everything loaded in your yeah, underwear. I think so, yeah. How long? Great routine, right? Yeah. And then a two high, start with a two high, juggle fire, pass fire. With a phone? Electronic release. Yeah, man, I'm at, yeah. I was the bass. He's smaller than me. I know, I'm just saying. So you're doing all this with the phone. In, Aust- in Australia. Yeah. In summer. In your underwear. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Why'd you give up on that show? I don't know. I think he—he he was never. He's not a performer at all. He's really is. Doesn't want to be on stage. Uh-huh. You know, like something which we realised. So he just did very it. late in the process, right? Because he liked juggling. He liked the adventure. He likes figuring things out, like solving the problem of street performing. But actually, doing street performing is that first bit. That first, especially that first. Arc of develop becoming a street. Oh, it's so unpleasant. Yeah, and also doing it the, in Sydney. Yeah, to people that just yeah, yeah, really we hard. Yeah, we, and we had no idea because we were new. We had no idea. I think it went okay for beginners. And yeah. who who was on the pitch when you were besides JP? Um, I, Sharon Mahoney. Uh-huh. Al. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. Paul. Can't remember his real name. We call him in Covent Garden. We call him Evil Paul. <laughs> what's he? What's his name? Really nice, gentle. Uh, he lives in Berlin now. Uh, I can't remember his surname now because we call him because in Covent Garden we call him Evil Evil Paul because he's so nice. Ah, uh, I see. So, yeah, yeah. But uh, but I don't remember him being there. But I think he says, "Oh, and I did the rubber glove on the head." Uh-huh. And I think he, you know, when you think you you take something. He think he took it from me. Like obviously it's not mine, but he he saw me doing rub, us doing rubber glove on the head. Oh, and he decided, and was like, oh, I'll do that. Yeah. So you, you and I remember someone ran in one day and said, "Have you seen what Al's doing?" 
Have you seen Al? Al's over there. He's doing a show with a unicycle, but it's just a seat. There's no, there's no unicycle. It's just a stick <laughs> with a seat. That's when he first started. And it was the, the partly was the first time anyone. Had, it was someone being surprised, like, oh, "Whoa, what's this?" It's a pole, you know. But he couldn't even articulate it as a pole. It was like, "Oh, there's a unicycle, but there's no unicycle." Yeah, that's amazing. And yet Sharon was there. Sharon was there. And were you getting advice from everybody, or were they or were everyone just kind of starting out? We were sort. Of, I think we were left alone. We were just sort of on the side pitch. And so, yeah, I guess yeah. that would be like Sharon probably would have been fairly. new. She was pretty new. Yeah, she was figuring. Al out. might have been just. No, I think Al was pretty established. Oh, I was lucky. Was there? Oh, wow. but he was just a, a strip on the art, like the rectangle on the eyes. <clears throat> yeah, that that yeah. era. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm really glad I went. I'm really glad I just have passed through just one season. Just skirt through that yeah um and uh how long did you spend there um yeah maybe three months three four three, months really so yeah. it was like an Australian trip but the ticket was a round one ticket so we did place 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 yeah a couple of months you know six weeks in New Zealand three months four months in Australia and then but, and then in those four months in Australia it was Sydney for a bit doing some shows and then just travelling around yeah we did Sydney for a bit as I say Adam isn't a natural performer he doesn't want to be on stage he's a technician because he's interested in theatre but not yeah. on that side at all um, and we sort of figured that out whilst they're going through that unpleasant double act process mm-hmm. and I wasn't confident enough yet to realise I could go and do as a solo so we just sort of gave up on the the street performing faded we got day jobs as well and okay. then the street performing just was just so you so didn't do that so you, did it, you just did it in Sydney just and did nowhere a little else. bit in Sydney yeah so yeah, we just worked in the seafood restaurant, and then we did backpacking. And we went to um, Adelaide, so we bought a car, drove to Adelaide, and then we were in Adelaide for the first week. And we turned up and said, "Hi, we're here to volunteer." The Fringe was on that year. Yeah, 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 yeah. And even yeah, yeah. So we knew about the Fringe. So we, so I remember watching shows, watching Dado, whatever he was called before he was called. Oh, I didn't know he was called something before. Dado. Before it was the Dado character though. Yeah, oh. used to be like more of a street show. Oh. Before the shoulders and the. Thing. I don't only know him as a shoulder thing. Yeah, so before that, um, and I remember watching that under the canopy, um, and we stayed on the beach in a van. And you, and neither of you did shows because no, at this no. point, yeah, we hadn't we'd given yeah. up by then. But we yeah. wanted to see the festival. Yeah. So we turned up, and we said, "Well, we hired, we had a volunteer," and they said, "No, you can't volunteer. You've got to <clears> apply three months in advance and do paperwork." Mm. And we said, "Oh yeah, okay. Well, when you we sort of had because." Of doing theatre, we knew, know had some belief we understood how things worked, and we said, "Okay, yeah, fine. Well, when you need, when you get to the point, you need help. When you need people, and we're capable people, you can call us and we'll come and volunteer there because uh-huh. <laughs> you do need, you will need it." Uh-huh. Um, and we didn't even have a phone; we just gave them an email address, and then within a couple of days, like, "Yeah, yeah, can you come?" Can you come in? So we were just stuffing envelopes, just putting tickets in envelopes. Yeah. But we got a festival pass, so we saw shows. Wow. And that was 2000, so that was before The Garden, I think, really. Well, yeah, but wouldn't that... I remember someone was telling me when that, that, like, I think it was Tom Comet and Al discovered that The Garden the Hitch. Hill. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was, it was around speaker. then. It would, maybe it would have been It might have been The Spiegel Tent, but not The Garden. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, but it was... The shape of the festival was... Yeah, it wasn't it was, the Garden of Rhythm. It wasn't yeah. all it wasn't all right. The centre it hadn't. Yeah, I think it, even when I was there, I think it was in two thousand four. I think was the first time I was there, and it was the Spiegel Tent pitch. 
and it was not as unregulated. It was just that was. Yeah. I mean, it was regulated in that Nigel Louis was doing a draw, <coughs> and and we could just work down there and. But it was it was, it was, that's it was outside. Yeah. yeah, it was outside of the fest. It was yeah. like we were just were, were on the other side of the fence, fence and yeah. the Spiegel tent was there, and it wasn't enclosed, and yeah. it was amazing. Yeah. So I'm guessing 2000 might have been when it. It might have been the first year. Yeah, I don't even remember I seeing it. Because that wasn't on your radar anymore, doing street shows at that point. Is it a second? That wasn't on your radar anymore, doing street shows at it, that point. I wanted to, no, it was. I wanted to do it, but we'd sort of, that project, the double act project had sort of fizzled out. But you didn't feel like you could do it on your own yet? No. No, not at all. And I, and I remember, I think I was... Because you're like, who's going to answer the phone? Yeah. Who's going to write on my head? Who's gonna, exactly. That's the, yeah. Um, but we knew, like, a, but you know, like, I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was watching shows there as I, I knew I was becoming a street, I knew I was going to be a street performer. And I oh, wanted no. to be a street performer. But at that, at that sort of process had failed. And right. stopped. And so it sort of longingly. You got a taste. Longingly, resentfully watching street shows and sort of identifying the bits I didn't like and being very superior. Superior. You know, like if you well, watch, you had a drama watch, degree, so yeah, yeah. If you watch too many shows, if you watch enough shows to see this, the mechanics, but you've never done any mm-hmm. to understand why the mechanics are so important, yeah, you get to this point where you, oh well, yeah. Oh, when I do it, <laughs> <laughs> I shan't be so reliant on structure, <laughs> which is not the case. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I remember watching shows really avidly and being really still. Oh, oh wow, yeah. So. Um, this is the other thing. Um, what's the beach called? Glenelg. Glenelg had a had a weekend fringe, mm-hmm. and there were shows like loads of roads were closed. All those little roads around Glenelg were closed, and people were doing shows. And I remember seeing Byron. That's the first time I saw Byron. Again, he's very similar. He's my, he's like my age, or one or two years older than me. But yeah. he started early. Probably he started at fifteen or sixteen. Or yeah, something. yeah, so, really. Yeah. yeah, similar with so I'm the same age as Asher Chalevin. Uh huh to the day maybe one year out but we have the same birthday and um, similar age to, to to Byron and similar age to uh, and someone else but they all started younger so right. they're older than me in street performing sure but we're the same age right gotcha yeah um, so you saw Byron I remember watching Byron and I remember seeing um, Phil Kane you know the you know, the UK yeah was he in Covent Garden I don't know, but he he's bonkers, and he did a kind of a there's really weird, really great, weird, edgy, confusing, hill miss, divisive. Fanta- he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember watching him doing a thing with uh, an, a, an LED sign, doing a bit about <laughs> didgeridoos and all the O's and playing a didgeridoo with this sign and all the O's. Yeah, I can't remember. Can't yeah. remember. But in, at night time, yeah, down on the beach. And then it was going to be Mardi Gras, so we like, oh, okay, well, let's, let's go see Mardi Gras in Sydney. So we drove back, and on the way back, our vehicle, we had to get an MOT, whatever the MOT is, on the vehicle. Oh. And I think we had to get the vehicle check, and we had the vehicle check, and they said, yeah, this vehicle is illegal. <laughs> this needs to be off the road. <laughs> <laughs> this van we bought in Sydney. <laughs> and we're like, okay, well, and then we took it back, so we had to rush back because our panel van was illegal. Uh-huh. It's dangerous. It's a classic. Yeah. Backpacker. Yeah. Japes. Yeah. Uh, time. Learn a lot. Yeah. It's yeah. great. So then, you, so you finish your eight months. You're back home. 
Yeah, so after Australia's Southeast Asia, Vietnam and Thailand, and then that was all fun. But and then we were supposed to go to India, but I wanted, to, I just wanted to do this show, and and so I'd had this incredible life experience of being on this backpacking, finding yourself thing, and I knew I wanted to do shows, and I was like, no, I want to get back. So it was I, rather you, you than going research. Right, well, no, I just wanted to get on with no, it. Of I wanted that. Uh, yeah. So rather than going, so, so rather than having a month in India, <laughs> yeah, it's like no, I want to go be in London and go to shows. So I came back and started working Leicester Square. So this is June, June two thousand. Summer. Yeah, June yeah. T- two thousand and two. Two thousand two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. And um, I Covent Garden went to Covent Garden. So I knew about Covent Garden by then. Me and Adam had watched some shows in Covent Garden. Um, as research, stolen some material. <laughs> For your trip. For our trip. I went to Covent Garden and I said, I think I went up to Lucky Rich because I recognised him. Right, because you had just met him in Sydney. Well, I'd seen him in Sydney. Oh, I'd okay. seen him around. I don't think he'd noticed the new guys. Yeah. We weren't even the new guys, we were just sort of there. Passing through. You know. Yeah. Um, and I'm as guilty of that as anyone um, and I said hi how do I get a licence or whatever and he said oh you need to go to the office or at the office and the office like oh yeah you've got to wait a month and do it and it all just that was bounced me off and I went to Leicester Square which is a much harder pitch <laughs> but more accessible because mm-hmm. it's just just one angry aggressive performer yeah <laughs> uh, so I started in Leicester Square with a version of that so it was a straight jacket. I think I wore Thai fisherman trousers and a rubber swimming hat and a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> what was the concept? <laughs> that, that just the that things you just found. Look la- loud and clowny and uh-huh. you know, try and be original because uh-huh. I'm going to not be like all of them. Yeah, you're so right. I'll wear this yeah. awful idea <laughs> instead, which is what I always notice in people is if you see too much of the art form without an awareness of the audience and you go. Well, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to be different, and the type of different time is the opposite. It's like if you're doing the opposite of the thing, mm-hmm. you're still reacting to the thing. You're yeah. still doing the thing. Yes, yeah. and there's no there's zero progress. Mm-hmm. The inversion is the same. Is the same. Yeah, it's just the the mirror. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's yeah. That's not progression. Right. <laughs> that's yeah. just different. Yeah, and and that's really common. I think you go. Oh well, I'll, I'll do an anti-show. So no, an anti-show is still exactly a show <laughs> yeah um, yeah so I wore these whatever these clothes and I did the electronic release in the bag and juggling Dubai knives that I borrowed from somebody um, and the straight jacket so I did that for a summer the summer in, in Leicester Square sharing with an angry aggressive performer who was that I don't know <laughs> alright it was Melvin <laughs> Melvin you know do you know Melvin Oh, is he, does he right. do the flip over the... He used to a head spin. Oh, okay. And since I've had a tenderness for him, but mm-hmm. he was a, not, a, not a welcoming person to new people on the pitch. But then again, he still tolerated me more than... I, I, bou- I bounced... I wasn't, I wasn't rejected by Covent Garden. I just sort of... Yeah. I was scared of the structure. Yeah, yeah. And I bounced off the... It was easier just to go work where, on a pitch that was open to, and... And horrible. Yeah, <laughs> then to go and the fly for it, yeah. and I never thought I was ready, because there's this myth of being ready for the good pitch. Sure, no, well, I think that's fair. I think that well, you should wait to. Yeah, to a degree. I can remember I like it's, it's, just in Adelaide, for example, that 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 
the uh, you know the well the Spiegel tent pitch whatever the garden yeah. pitch. I can remember, and at that point I, I had ha- I had a show because like, I went to Australia, so I felt like I I have a show enough. I've been a, I've yeah. done it enough that I'm I'm gonna go all the way to Australia and do this. But then and so you knew that that eight nine o'clock spot is for someone who had, has a show. And then yeah. there was some people that would sign up for it and just waste it. Yeah. And everyone else would be angry. Yeah. Because they weren't aware of the fact that they need to just practice and run the mall for a while. Because it won't make a difference to you, to them. Yeah. yeah. So your awareness of feeling that you need to be ready to play Covent Garden, I think, yeah. is... I think, but I think, a sensibility a, I think there's a spectrum of that. Of that. And at one end of it is... Is just defensive, exclusionary. Yeah, like there's. Yeah, I think I think it's there's a line where you as a performer should have an awareness <coughs> of of when when I guess it, it depends on how aware you are of where you have. I think most people who are aware of it are over aware of it, and end up transitioning later than they. Are entitled to Maybe. and the people who aren't aware of it are never aware of it yeah. and still come too early yeah. so it's not that effective as yeah, a system I, I, I and it I can prop up an element of bullying and and in exclusion yeah. I think in long term hardened defensive pitches yeah I guess it's, it, it, it takes somebody who can just speak to that person and say you know what we'd love to have you here but we're just not ready yet yeah, my thing is more: Are you working somewhere else? Are you, what you, people say to me? What advice? Can you watch my show and give me some advice? Sure. And I normally say, uh, do more shows. Right. Like I, I'm before not, you even watch. I'm not even. Not that I won't watch it, but you probably need to do more shows. And I'd say do shorter shows. Find a pitch where you can do multiple shows because that person's normally on a pitch, but they can get one a day, and that's why they. Asking for advice because sure. they're another pitch. Yeah. That's a good pitch. And I normally say, go to another pitch and do as many shows as you can and st- learn to start and finish shows because the middle of shows are just theatre. Yeah. But you need to build the theatre to get the edge and then you need to do the show and then you need to finish in a way that if you're trying to do it for, as the, the job, you know, you need to learn how to collect and convince people to pay. Right. And the middle section is much more flexible. Yeah, what you need to learn is the beginning and the end. So right. do lots of shows, don't drag it out too much. Get on, learn how to do that difficult first bit. Do the middle, whatever. Yeah, whatever. The thing <laughs> learn the difficult the and then you have a finale. Because when you learn those, you can frame anything in the middle. Sure. But what people most worry about is making their middle good enough to keep. That it would have already started and is good enough to make them pay. Yeah. And it's like no, no, that's sort of irrelevant. There's a separate thing. There's the structure of the. There's the format of the thing, which is the start and the end, mm-hmm. and then in the middle, yeah. But you put what you instinctively want to do is, I'll make a really original middle section by doing the opposite of whatever. <laughs> right. But don't you feel like, like, so you work Leicester Square, you work Leicester Square for a while. Yeah. So did two. Didn't you feel like that was that was good for you? It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was good decision to, to stay there instead of trying to go to Covent Garden more often. And maybe yeah. you feel the pressure. Yeah, but I think I started. I think I started street performing. I think I well by the time I got started, and by the time I got understood how it worked. So I'm twenty. I'm twenty. Nearly. Yeah, this trip is twenty years. So we'll say I'm twenty years in. 
I wish I'd started when I was doing. I wish I'd started doing. I wish I'd gone to Covent Garden when I was a kid. I wish I'd started doing street performing before you. You know, you, yeah. by the time you go get round to overcoming your own barriers mm-hmm. and then overcoming the barriers that exist externally, which are usually less than your own barriers. Yeah, you kind of go, oh, I could have been here ages ago. But and so I always encourage whenever, whenever someone says to me, oh, I think I'm thinking of doing street performing. I go, yeah, do it now. Yeah, do it now. And they go, oh yeah, well I'm going to work on it. No, no, no. Those are just your ways of putting it off. Start doing it now. It's always bad when you start. Start doing it badly and get better. Yeah. Because I felt like people, I myself, delayed it as long as I could and eventually did it. And the thing with my memory of Leicester Square is where I was staying in North London, I had to get the tube past. So you weren't staying at home? No, no, I'd moved out after. so I have to get the tube past Covent Garden to get to Leicester Square. It's really, it was really heartbreaking because I was heading to Leicester Square, but the tube goes through. I wanted to get off at the Covent Garden stop, but I wasn't staying on to Leicester Square stop. And I remember, used to the the tube stations are slightly different colours on that line at yeah. that point. <coughs> and I used to just the colour yellow, the yellow tube. I sort of have some resi- residual wow. inadequacy and because that was the stuff. Covent Garden stuff was yellow. Yeah, where I wanted to be, but I wasn't there. I was going to yeah. Leicester Square. Yeah. So but, how how long did you work Leicester Square? So I did the summer of two thousand in in Leicester Square. Only Leicester Square. Yeah, hmm. yeah, and then I did. Did you have another job? Yeah. Well, in the autumn of that year, a friend of mine of my mum's was a teacher. Um, she needed somebody to teach. IT to like seniors it's like a community access uh, IT mm-hmm. computers how to use the web thing and they're trying to find someone qualified experienced enough to teach this thing who didn't already have a who was available to teach this thing so you can't find anyone in the IT industry because it's a really badly paid inconvenient job mm-hmm. So you need someone who's not in the IT industry who has the understanding, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm a performer and I'm a, a geeky guy and I know about computers and we had computers at home from an early age because one of my dad's side hustles was a internet. It's like a health website before the internet, <laughs> like on discs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which he used to sell at computer fairs to schools because uh-huh. he's a doctor and a computer guy. So, anyway, so, so I had this job teaching seniors how to use the web. Uh-huh at night uh-huh. once a week right. to begin with and that can you can date it because there was a section on search engines Google wasn't one of the search engines because wow. Google wasn't hadn't wow. released properly yet wow. so I I was, paid, I was paid to teach people how to use the internet so, oh this is Alta Vista and this is Yahoo and these are search engines and when you want to find something out this is how you do it wow. so I was doing that once a week or twice a week and then I got a phone call it's like, oh yeah, can you? Okay, so we know you're doing this, and you're registered, and you're a te- you're a teacher now. You're like a you know, very technical, you know, minor says. Can you come and talk to us about another job? And there was a secondary school that needed an IT teacher <laughs> to teach computers. So I was suddenly like that from yeah. nowhere. I was an IT teacher in East London, <laughs> teaching 15, 16. Was this like a full time job? <laughs> yeah. But it was, well, no, so they were 11, 11 to 16 year olds mm-hmm. with emotional behavioural disorders in East London <coughs> in the early 2000s. Um, but it was full time, but it was the academic full time, which is the exact opposite schedule. Right. So it was so, a perfect job. So it was, a, yeah. it was a good, for me, it was a really good wage because it was, 
a basic teaching wage. Yeah. Which for a backpacker trying to be a street performer, it's like boom, yeah. that's a thing. And it took the pressure off probably. Yeah, it's amazing. So I had I had that and also it wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to, my art was I wanted to be a street performer. Yeah. But I didn't have to worry because so I'd work a week doing this weird, really intense job to which I'm not particularly suited. And a, a lot of the time they're like, we'll train you to be a real, they're so desperate for teachers. You're a capable communicator with a degree. We can train you to be a teacher as you go. So they're pressuring me to learn how to be a teacher. Like, we'll just give you some courses as you go. You know, within mm-hmm. four years, you could be a f- teacher. Yeah. And, uh, and you're thinking, no. <laughs> and that was an option. It was like, a, I could do that. <laughs> so I did that for one full year. And you worked on the weekends. Just, and so every weekend, every all the school holidays, uh, just Leicester Square. Leicester Square. But it's perfect. It's all of the days, all of the good days for street performing. I could be a street performer. Yeah. All the sucky days, I could go and be well paid for something I didn't like doing, which is yeah. the perfect balance. So I did that for the first so that's September, autumn of two thousand into two thousand and one. And the um, the best thing that happened to me out of that job was. Because it's a teaching job, your wages are spread across the twelve months. Mm. So yeah. that job, so I, paid I in, left in the summer. That, I left that job in July, two thousand and one, and I still had six weeks at full pay. So my that's when I went full time as a street performer. So I went into street performing my first summer. Where I was going right? This is what I do now. I'm going to figure this out, you know. And I, I've done all the weekends and through the winter, which is really great. And has the, has the show great. changed as as you were progressing? <coughs> had you done? It, was it still the same? It sort of just tightened up, just that straight jacket. Right. This, the, yeah. So this the material on the show was the same. It just got better. Yeah. You just found. Yeah, I think I just got more resilient. Yeah. Yeah. To the, the you know to starting and finishing, um, and so that summer, I did did Leicester Square. Still wish doesn't come garden, but doing Leicester Square. Um, would you go watch shows in Covent Garden? I don't know. Not, not mm-hmm. really. Again, just, just sort of just scared. Yeah. And I think it's easy when you're inside structures. Like I, we, th- I think Covent Garden is a welcoming pitch. But I was talking to some people here. I think like the, even the Edinburgh. Like I think in Edinburgh, it's it's very accessible. But I think the draw, if there are lots of cliques of people who already know each other, even without any intention of it just by the fact that it's early in the morning and they know each other and they're grumpy to the outsider it's really intimidating and impenetrable and we think we're being open and accessible because yeah. we're not saying you can't work here yeah. and it's, it's it's a it's another hidden privilege thing like you don't recognise you, you don't understand the other perspective from, sure. from inside your perspective yeah. and I think oh we never tell people they can't work here no. isn't the same yeah, <laughs> yeah not it, like not being overtly racist isn't the same as being not racist. You're right. not saying you can't. You're not aware of. Yeah, the, just because you don't say to people they can't come here doesn't mean you're not unconsciously <clears throat> excluding people. Yeah. Through just by being, and I get it when I go to a gig and I don't know anyone else in the gig and they've known each other for ten years. You kind of oh, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. I think Common Garden, which is really welcoming. It, I think I just avoided it. Just did like, oh, I've got to do this. Got to get good. I'm yeah. not well. I'm, and I still meet people who work in Leicester Square who are ready. And they're working. This, they're pulling off shows at Leicester Square, and they're like, "No, they're not." Re- I'm, and they've got a reason that they're not yet in Covent Garden. And it's like, "Oh no, no okay. I'm just gonna." I, I mean, yeah. it's also in, in everyone's own time. <coughs> when when yeah. you feel you're ready, you're ready. Yeah. When I had that, like I, when I first started doing shows, I think it was uh, 
I think Al put me in touch with Sean, bike boy, and because uh, I think he was in Baltimore or something. And I talked to him, and he's like, "Go to um, go to action. Copenhagen." No. Do the voice. No, it's almost, it's almost <laughs> me ne- doing my I've Nigel I've never character. heard anybody <laughs> quote by voice before. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> so weird. As I'm just going to end up sounding like my, my Nigel character, which is kind of a version of Sean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, do it. But <laughs> you should go to Copenhagen. There we go. Do shows. Good. That he did, so then I was like, I'm not going to go to Europe. Like, I almost, I was like looking at tickets <laughs> to go to Europe. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think I have a show yet to go yeah. to Europe. Like, I'm just figuring yeah. this out. And it was the next year, I'm like, I feel like I have something where I can yeah. go now. Yeah. You know, it's like in your own time. So the people that are in Leicester Square are still working might just feel like they're not ready, even though you might say, you're ready. You could, your show is fine. You can yeah. go work it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what... I mean, you took your time. Yeah, I think... But I think I should... Yeah. Well, in retrospect, well, in you, think end, you should have went sooner, but yeah, at yeah. the time, that was the trajectory. Yeah, that's... That you needed. Is, yeah. But in, so in the end... Um, <clears throat> so I did the summer of 2000... Um, Leicester Square... No, 2001, Leicester Square. Yeah. And then the autumn of 2000 in Leicester Square. And then in December, um, there's a, fair, a fairground. Mm-hmm. So now it's a different thing, but it used to be a fairground. And it was on the pitch. It was a huge rides and stuff installed on the pitch for the Christmas period yeah and then when that arrived I couldn't work right I've been working into the autumn no problem but I was like oh I can't work okay and then I went to Covent Garden right you're forced I, to. I couldn't yeah and I and this is the difference I walked to Covent Garden and uh, I saw the great Dave uh-huh. and I went up to this tall confident looking person and said hi I'm the new I've been working Leicester Square how do I get a permit and he said, oh, okay, what, if, what, what, do you, what do you do? I said, oh, I'll do this. He said, well, where have you worked? I said, oh, well, I went backpacking and went to Australia and I've just done two summers in Leicester Square. He said, you don't, even know, you don't, you don't need to audition. <laughs> if you can do shows, if you've done two summers in Leicester Square, yeah. you can work here. You, you yeah. must be, you know. Yeah. And, it's, and it was like the, uh, just super welcoming. Right. And that's the, sort of my philosophy now is, is whatever I learned. And who, who was, um, what is it called, the... the What's the Covent Garden? Uh, the SPA. SPA. Who, who, yeah, who was, run, who was the in head, the charge or whatever? I don't know what you call it. I don't know who was... Was Dave the at rep. that time? It, it felt like it was Dave... And Matt? And Paddy. It, well, it, for me, it always felt like it was Dave and Paddy, uh-huh. even if it wasn't them. They always yeah. felt like the grandfathers Yeah. for them, for when I was there. They were <laughs> called Dave a grandfather. <laughs> No, but like the old, like the, like the wise folk, yeah, like no. the, the authority, you know, the not the age. chief, <laughs> yeah, but not the, but not the, but like intellectually, yeah, yeah, like yeah. not the chiefs of the tribe, yeah, but like the holders of the wisdom, right, yeah, and sort yeah. of whatever, just the senior members, yeah, 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 yeah. not the old guys, yeah, not the old guys, yeah, but yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, yeah, and it was Paddy Bramwell's and the Great Dave, yeah, and it still is. Paddy is old though, yeah. But I was I sure how. So let's date this. I'm 48. So this I'm is sure Dave 2000. Is this is December 2001. Yeah. So I was 23. Right. And Dave was 29. Yeah. So that's so <laughs> the 23 year old <laughs> and Paddy's. Yeah. Late at 40s, maybe. At that point. I don't know. No. I don't know how old he is. How do you think he's now? This is 20 years ago. Yeah, he's, he's got to be in his 60s. I don't know. I don't think he's... 
Hello, Paddy. <laughs> Paddy Bramos, I doubt you're listening to this. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> At least I defended Dave. <laughs> yeah, age. yeah. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, and Dave was like, "Yeah, you're fine." And I came in, and I and I arrived in Covent Garden, and I and that's when I watched shows in Covent Garden. And there were three straight jackets, and there were eight unicycles. Uh, and I said, "I will never do a straight jacket or a unicycle on this pitch ever." Wow. And I put down a straight jacket. Who was doing it? Microphone. I don't. Rem- I don't. It might not have been three. No, I don't remember. It was just people. Yeah. Just just like in again in my elitist drama degree yeah, you're like, I'll observe uh, the terrain and, mm-hmm. and do not that yes and I and but that's fair yeah yeah but for, so for me the yeah I was like well I'm not doing those things and that was the finale of the show was a, was a straight jacket and so this was December 2001 yeah and so it's really easy for me to date it because it's it's that event the, the, the Christmas fair pushing me over yeah and so I, I don't know what the show was so I, I still have the electronic release oh yeah so Again, pulling back on the magic. You know, the Siberian chain escape? Yeah, the, oh, the, the, the loop. It's like a loop. Yeah. yeah. And I had some really nice fake gimmicked handcuffs. Mm-hmm. They were really easy to pop open, but looked really nice, gimmicked handcuffs. And I could drink a pint of beer in the open gullet. You know, like six second, four second mm-hmm. beer thing, which is always a skill I'd had. So I tried various weird shows. Um just trying things out and experimenting ironically so like I yeah. got ready uh-huh. I got good enough I got a show that yeah, was good enough works, and now you're going to like, oh, I'm not doing yeah. that here I've got to do something yeah. else um, I finally got to Covent Garden now I'm just going to do something that I'm going to make up yeah and so what it ended up being was uh, I'm chained and handcuffed <clears throat> and I've got a pint of orange juice and the guy who chained and handcuffed me has a pint of orange juice and I have to Drink my orange juice and escape. escape before he drinks his orange juice. That sounds interesting. Which is again fun, right? Yeah. And then, again, something that would work really well on stage. Yeah, yeah. Than the street. Yeah. Because then you got to deal with carrying orange juice around. Yeah. And, and drinking pints of orange juice every yeah. Yeah. Um, or milk. Um, um, and then it's great if you go to corporate because you can do it with beer. Yeah. Or if you do it in a gig where that's appropriate, it is amazing. Yeah. I love that, but it's not great in lots of places and all. so I think in the end it was like I'll escape and then run around before I can't, I can't remember yeah um, so I did that and Dave great Dave Evans said uh, you're doing some great weird stuff none of this is working but this is this is I love what you're trying to do don't let me see you here in five years <laughs> <laughs> yeah that five years expired yeah 13 years ago oh, yeah um, so that was so it was, it was helpful advice he wasn't trying to be a dick he's no no he was like he's like I really like, like it but you gotta, I think you've got something you, but you gotta you come up with a be, show that no yeah. no no he's like don't get stuck here don't get this is fresh and interesting oh don't let this place oh, trap you right don't oh I gotcha twist yourself to work here and then yeah. get stuck which is of course exactly what I did yeah um and then this in the and then and then I still really you know I still knew still going to lots of juggling conventions interested in juggling now I wouldn't <clears> even like I now I wouldn't call myself a magician or a juggler I'd say I'm uh, there is juggling in the show but I'm not a, a juggler uh, and I know about magic but I'm not back to your acting you're an actor I'm certainly not an actor I have done all of these things but I'm none of them um, but 
I was really interested in juggling then and going to conventions and, and stuff. And in the end, I stopped going to conventions because they were always on weekends and you can't take the time off to yeah. go and learn, have fun and learn stuff. You've got to make money. But we went to the, the British juggling convention um, and bought a ladder. Bought right. a, a, a Ramsey ladder from Oddball's store in the Durham juggling convention, <coughs> which was Easter, Easter weekend 2002. Okay. Um, and it was like a seven foot ladder and I didn't have a I'd come up in a car or on a train I didn't have any way to transport it um, but I had a friend called Julian Zanzibar he's another performer a French performer lovely guy and he was he was living in a squat in a squatted pub in South London um, and he had a van and he was you know like a cool uh, tra- travelling kind of festival guy mm-hmm. with a van and a squat and so and I knew him, so I was like, oh, hey, man, can you take my ladder to London for me? So he did. And then he had this pub, beautiful high-ceiling carpeted floor. So my ladder stayed in his pub. So I'd go, I'd go to his pub, this pub that they were living in and practice ladder. And the ladder was there, so he'd learn ladder. And he still does ladder now. And he's uh-huh. saying, we learn... At the same time. On the same ladder. On the same ladder. At the same time. Now, did you just... Where did you learn how to do the ladder? Just on your own? Just In this, in this squat... In this mm-hmm. empty pub, and then in Covent Garden, there's various things to hold on to, and just self-taught. So you're still doing your straitjacket? No, no, the straitjacket was. You stopped that once that you had the ladder. Went to Covent. No, no, no. Before the straight, I never did the straitjacket in Covent Garden. Oh, so when it's Covent Garden, I said, "Oh, we'll never do that's the straitjacket." Right. Yeah. Okay. So as soon as you saw it, you said, "I'm not doing it." Yeah. And that's when you were drinking the pint of uh, the orange juice. juice and something with a fishing rod and I, don't, I can't remember some right. weird stuff and then you got the ladder going and then I got the ladder going and uh, that was <coughs> East. 2000 yeah no, that, that summer and then that went to Edinburgh for the first time for the first with time with the ladder met Herbie that summer at 2002 yeah and it was um, met Herbie and he's again really friendly and supportive and interested in new people and interested in talking about the art form and um, Herbie Treehead Herbie Treehead the, li- the legend the legend Herbie, Herbie Treehead, Treehead one of my closest friends um, and he um, he took me to Glastonbury he said he, he always used to try and take people to Glastonbury who hadn't been he'd have, he'd have a band or had various ways in which he had tickets and he'd mm. always try and give a ticket to someone he owed a favour to or someone had helped him out or somebody who'd never been and so this particular year, he was playing his song. He's got his great songs. Check out on Spotify, Herbie Treehead, Sleepy Songs and Not Very Sleepy Songs. Amazing music for kids that adults love more than kids. Adults listen to it and go, this is great. Kids must love this. And yeah. kids are like, this is fine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> adults love it. I know, it's great. Um, and he, he was doing his songs, but he had a sort of like a violinist with him. Uh, and then he was supposed to have a drummer, but he didn't have a drummer. And I didn't play drums. So he had me on invisible drums. <laughs> so I was booked. My first time at Glastonbury was I sat on the I sat on a on a suitcase with two juggling clubs and mimed playing the drums yeah. whilst Herbie sung his songs to the musical backing track of his songs in the children's field wow. in Glastonbury. And I didn't even have a backstage pass for theatre and circus because we were in the children's field. And Hazel came as a volunteer, so we were. So I camped in normal camping, the other side of the festival. So Herbie took me to Glastonbury, and then everyone said, oh, you've got to, well, you've got to go to Gla- Glastonbury. And then everyone's like, well, you've got to go to Edinburgh. And so I went up to Edinburgh um, for the first time in 2002. Um, but yeah, so ed- ed- that first Edinburgh. And Dave, so Dave Southern, uh, wonderful performer Dave Southern, um, 
who was a juggler from Cardiff uh, and Covent Garden many years ago and for years was based in Chester made a, and used to travel and he made a unicycle, giraffe unicycle out of a step, step ladder so because he used to travel and it was difficult getting your unicycle to like Australia right so what he realized was you could get that he made a kit which would turn any stepladder into a giraffe unicycle wow so he had this so that was because he's quite clever mechanically yeah so he had this so he always had this ladder and you can self-climb it lean against the lamppost and climb the the ladder so so he used to ride a ladder unicycle um and he when he I went to Chester at some point before this Edinburgh time. So I was travelling around a little bit. My grandfather used to live in Chester. So I visited him and I knew you could do shows in Chester, so I tried to do shows in Chester. And I met Dave Southern. And he had this part of his build, he'd blow down the rungs of the of the ladder. Yeah. And so later on, after learning the ladder, I lifted, I nicked that from him. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing that. And I remember the first day I went to Edinburgh, I phoned Dave Southern, left it voicemail. I said, hi, it's Pete. I've gone to Edinburgh. I'm doing your blowing through. down the ladder thing, and I'm not asking for permission. But I had to, I had to tell you. <laughs> I'm not asking for permission. I'm just doing. Well, I'm, yeah, because it's yeah. voicemail. It's a voicemail yeah. as well. It's like yeah. I just want to say I'm sorry. Yeah. But I'm doing it. This is your second time in Edinburgh now. First time. It's first time. Still, first, okay, first time. time but yeah. I just and I felt I could nick it and do it in London, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and that was okay. But to go to the international stage of Edinburgh with yeah. someone else's material yeah. was inappropriate. And what so was his response to, to that? I think he was fine. I think he was yeah. okay with it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and that's, I forget that. I forget that. It's a big part. It's a big part, but still a big part of the show now. Yeah. It's a great thing to do with a ladder. Yeah, it's, it really, it's loud. It's confusing. Yeah. It's visually interesting. Yeah. It's using a normal thing in an unusual way. It's mm-hmm. a really strong yeah. little gimmick. And I stole it from Dave Southern, and I credit him whenever possible. So when when you were in Edinburgh that that first time with the ladder, yeah, what was the show like? Did you have? Is it the show that you have now, or was it some? Yeah, pretty much. But it was um, it was duvet knives out of a sheath. Mm-hmm. It was getting an audience reaction when you produce the knives. Because mm-hmm. I always thought everyone just throws these knives around. They very unconvincing. So I thought if I keep them in the sheaths. If you, you've got to treat them like knives, if you want to show them, they're, you know, like, yeah, they're sharp. However, thinking, yeah. yeah. So when you pull them out of the sheath, I get an audience reaction. <laughs> and I was doing the rubber, the rubber glove on the head. I think I was doing the rubber glove on the head throughout Leicester Square. Uh-huh. I forgot to blow it up till it pops. But I managed to drag that out into like a 12 minute routine. <laughs> so, for, so, my middle, so I juggle knives on the floor. And then I'd lean the ladder in Edinburgh, I'd lean, and in Covent Garden, lean the ladder against something, and then sit at the top of the ladder, so really high, and then do rubber glove on the head, blow it up. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the condom trick, yeah. rubber glove trick. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. You exhale through it, it's That's grotesque. The, you exhale yeah. through Howie it. Uh, Howie Mandel did it for years. Yeah, yeah. So it's that, and all the any phlegm <laughs> is, is in your, invisible in mm-hmm. front of it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'd, try, I'd get it. The theory was it pretend it had gone wrong because it can go really big if you get it right. So the theory was to go well. I'll blow this until it pops. And when it pops, you go crazy. Yeah. And then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay, this is weird. Okay, when it pops, it gets bigger, 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 bigger. Okay, this has never gone wrong, and it's convincing them that it had gone wrong, and selling that, and that if they if they genuinely think they made a mistake, it's if they love used to yeah. love it. So so that was cute. That was a good 12, <laughs> 12 minute rubber glove on the head routine. Uh-huh. Whilst sat on a ladder, yeah. So 
yeah, my, my <clears throat> sat sort of eight feet in the air, which was very, a very effective way, very effective middle section, a lot of tension and yeah. comedy and height. So, so that, and then at the end, after that, I'd get on the ladder and uh, juggle the knives. Um, and that was basically the show then. So from that summer, a version of that show was 2002 until... Um, six, eight years and then I, I wanted to do it. I felt that the rubber glove was overused yeah yeah, and a bit cheap I just mm. felt again it's a, it's a battle I have with what I think you're works. like oh, I see everyone's doing this and I'm not going to do this well that's more like I'm like no one's going to book this I can't sell this ah, no one's okay. going to book a rubber glove on their head act uh-huh. uh, even though it is gold the crowds love it and I think my version is the best version. Well, it's a good, it's a legitimate version. Sure. So I've taken something completely hack, and yeah. but it's a long, very, it's a really strong. They, it's really, you know, a good mistake, a good fake mistake mm-hmm. is is got. They love it. Yeah, it's really satisfying as an audience, and then it finishes on the bang. And it's you know, yeah. So as a street, street, amazing, um, and then also the rubber gloves. Quality of rubber gloves would vary. Yes, you don't know. It's and and, it, and the problem is, I'm trying to sell this huge. I want this huge glove, and you can't. Have you want it to last glove. twelve minutes. If it lasts eight, it's well. It's just if it goes too soon, they yeah. think it's finished, and you're like, no, that yeah, that wasn't the real routine. That's the routine I'm pretending to do. Yeah. The real routine is the routine going wrong, and that mm-hmm. takes much longer. So, um, um, and so I was mucking around with the Rubik's cube, um, and again, I've never seen anyone do Rubik's cube as a routine. There's one uh, guy came through from I can't remember where he was from from Japan or from Korea and he sort of but he yeah he just sort of did it and it wasn't very satisfying so mm-hmm. it just happened yeah so I learned it I learned it and was learning it and enjoying learning it and I thought um, well this is fun This is, I'll do this as a part of the build and then I can learn it so I do it before the show as like a warm up mm-hmm. or like a um, and then I started getting the audience and I could only do it in like two minutes like a minute and a half I couldn't I wasn't I wasn't fast I wasn't again only the beginning of speed cubing like technically officially speed cubing but not actual speed cubing just like faster than the most basic algorithm yeah that's what I'm doing the most basic algorithm yeah you know the next one this is where where my skills lie is the next like you've got the complete beginners yeah and then you've got whatever level two is yeah (laughs) that's what I you solve the first two at the same time that's level two yeah yeah that's it and I never but and you don't theory, need anything more than that. No, well, this is it, and and, and the and the amount of energy it takes to develop past that is, is yeah. indulgent. Is for you. Yeah. You're, I always say an audience can't tell the difference between seven balls and nine balls. Sure. So, if you're doing nine balls on the street, you're doing it for you. Yeah. And you may be doing it out of insecurity. Yeah. You're not doing it theatrically. It's not more. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter with with the cube, especially because. You can do it as fast as you want to do it, like you're yeah. saying this other guy. Well, I, I it's, probably it's like, should. It's like the straight jacket. Yeah. I can get out of the straight jacket in probably like 30, 40 seconds. Oh, yeah. Why do like that? Se- 17. Well, yeah. That's the point. Yeah. When you can make it a yeah. presentation, you can make it a, an act that it has the tension and. Yeah. You know, the, and then their expectation is is he really going to solve this cube in yeah. under a minute? Like, there's no way, yeah. you know, and the, the play throughout it is yeah. more what it's about, not that. You could maybe do it in twelve seconds. Yeah. Who cares? But also, this is a while ago. Now it's there's I think there's been a resurgence, and with YouTube, yeah, people are really aware now that the record is under ten seconds. 
I don't think people used to know that. <laughs> I say that the record to get on the train track is a minute and 50 seconds. Sure. You know, people still go, so did you break the record? I'm like, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You can look and then some kids yeah. go, oh, I saw a guy, did it, yeah. you know. I'm like, whatever, yeah. who cares? You know, but the, the general public, yeah. if they're intelligent enough, they're not going to care what the record is. No. They want to watch your presentation. They yeah. know that it's a, it's a device to... Yeah. So yeah, so I started doing that as the build, and then that started working, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I think I'll drop out the glove and do the cube, and that looks yeah. more, that, that, that feels, that feels like a thing you can book. Yeah. Like, oh, Rubik's Cube, oh, that's difficult, mm. rather than rubber glove on there, that's a frat mm-hmm. trick. Yeah. Um, and I don't know when that was, that was sort of 2008 or nine. So when you were doing the street, and you're thinking about getting booked, what was, what, what was your, how much were you doing that were booked gigs? That you were like worried about what you're getting booked for, like who are you trying to sell your shit? I don't to? know. No, I don't know. I don't know. So in in um, 2004, hanging out with Herbert Shuhead, yeah, he had this idea for a dinosaur circus, which is a life size, a circus show with life size dinosaur puppets. Wow. Which is a, which is remains an incredible idea. <laughs> he had this idea, and I was like, that sounds like a good idea. I'll give you a hand. Whatever you need, whatever I could do, I used to do a bit of theatre, and you know, I'm young and dumb and got energy, so I'll mm-hmm. help out. So uh, um, myself and Matt Barnard, George Orange, Richard Garrity. I think I can't remember who was uh, in the Edinburgh show. Um, we did a show in Edinburgh with these dinosaur puppets that we made. Mm-hmm. It was fairly chaotic and. In, a, in an unusual venue that's quite out of the way that was a one year experimental venue um, which we got mucked about by but um, and Herbie put me and George together we did a couple of doubles, double routines like a double acro routine with the he, static trapeze and then I used the ladder to get the tra- static trapeze and then this sort of comedy thing um, so George George Orange George Fuller um, had kind of come through an uh, amazing sex performer from from Minnesota, but uh, developed his work in Chicago. So, so he's from Chicago, but he's from Minnesota. But, yeah. um, and worked with um, Midnight Circus in Chicago mm-hmm. and, and the big um, sort of punk scene, and you know, an amazing yeah. guy. Um, and again, another really, really close friend of mine. He he was coming through London and was doing Edinburgh, and Herbie got him in this show as well. We worked together in this show, and. After this show, George and I had heard about cruise ships, and we were interested in getting in the cruise ships. And he was very skills-based and clowny, but not lots of talking. And I was lots of talking yeah. and not particularly high skill. And it seemed like that seemed like. A, and he's, I was average height and fairly heavy, and he's kind of tall and lean. Or something. Yeah. Great. This is he's he's American. I'm British. Okay. He's got a, a minute, you know, a Minnesota accent as well. So quite, you know. Yeah. Um, East End, middle class East End, whatever. However, I talk. Mm-hmm. So it's just a really great, a great, great combo. Yeah. Um, so we decided we'd work together, do a double act, we'd develop a double act, and then try and get booked on cruise ships. Is this what? This is the, the idea of like get rid of the glove on the head. I don't know. I can't remember where the glove fits in. Yeah. To this, I think I was doing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm compressing the time a bit. Yeah. But I know that the dinosaur show was 2004 in Edinburgh, okay. which seems crazy because in my head it was. The first two years feels like a decade, and then, but no, it's just two years. Yeah, um, because of all those new experiences. Sure, of course. You remember all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It makes so you feel like more time. Just, yeah, like when you were a kid. Yeah, yeah. The first. 
So George and I, we our development process was work out a show a bit, go to uh, Uru, <coughs> mm-hmm. go to uh, what's the in Belgium? Ghent. Oh, Ghent. Yeah. Yeah. So places you can crash. Yeah. So we crashed Ghent, crashed Ghent. Ural. Yeah. No to make to figure out a show. I can't remember which way around they which way, whatever way around they are. The first place was to go and write the show, the second place was to develop the show. So it's Ghent and Ural and Edinburgh. And yeah. That was our plan and we did yeah. that. Yeah. And I think maybe we did two summers. Two summers in Edinburgh, I don't know. And he's on slack rope mm-hmm. and I'm on the ladder, we can pass fire. And um, so we did that and then we tried to get some work and then we got some work on cruise ships and we did a double on the cruise ship for a while. Uh, and then after a while we said, Hi, yeah, there's two of us we're on the same fee as all the solo acts Can, is there any chance of getting you know we're getting booked you're happy any chance of getting uh, more money and I said no it's no absolutely so well, what if we were two solo performers would, we, would you book us separately like, yeah whatever <laughs> okay okay okay, okay. <laughs> duo fizzle <laughs> so we're like okay well let's get the same money separately yeah um, and we, but we weren't doing we weren't doing stage shows in the cruise ships um, this is the time when Princess Cruises had developed these new ships within like an atrium I've heard about the outer yeah. space with balconies above beautiful space to perform yeah. the lifts behind and little fountains and um, and the really satisfying shows when you get you know get all the people and because it feels like a street show yeah yeah like a high end it's like a high end yeah. street show in the foyer so it's yeah. great it's a great gig and a lot of height yeah. um, and then I think at that point there's nowhere to rig the rope but there was a nice balcony so I would go up the ladder and we'd pass clubs or notes He'd lean over the balcony mm-hmm. and pass down to me on the ladder, and it was really, it was really great. Yeah. So that, and then did chips, but yeah, never really. Um, still struggled with getting around to doing the admin to promote myself. Yeah, but I just like earlier because that's what I was asking about the corporate thing. You said I, I can't sell this glove to corporate, and I said, so what corporate things were you <laughs> no, going for? No. Then you go, I got to take a piss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. What I don't know. But it doesn't matter, I mean, because you don't need to if you're working consistently. Sure, enough, but, I, I mean, but I managed to, like, I got in through, mostly through word of mouth, so through other people. Yeah. People would go, oh, you should get this guy, he's, he's, he's cool. Um, and I applied to various things, and I think having, yeah, not trying to sell a rubber glove yeah. made it a bit easier. Sure. But I did, so I did Dublin in 2010, um, and various yeah, various gigs, but I'm not. I don't have an effective cycle of approach applied to everybody every year and yeah. go back to people who've applied to like a yeah. a professional person would have. Yeah, like. But I but I do. It's in my from my mind the way I function. It seems easier for me to be doing shows in February right. in London on a weekend. Right, because you're spending can. a day. Yeah, and, and they're tough, but there's this weird glory to it. You feel. Oh yeah, there's, yeah. There's a. It feels even if it's unpleasant and ineffective, it feels like you're working hard. Yeah. There's sort of this authentic thing to it, which is ridiculous because working hard is spend eight hours once a week in a laptop and get work and travel. Yeah, I suppose it's all different skill sets, and yeah, yeah. how you want to spend that time. I and mean, the but reason, if, but if you know that you can go work in February and make money, why spend eight hours on a computer? Yeah, because yeah, well, there's various reasons, but, but yeah, um, 
the fact that my kids are now going to be soon going to school yeah the exact opposite schedule makes yeah. that less attractive yeah than it has been yeah um, and also there's places I want to go but I'm beginning to I have I've, over the time I've gradually done various great gigs big gigs, you know Mm-hmm. Certain, like here, like here, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done the middle. Yeah, I've done at least a few times. But again, that's through Edinburgh. It's Same. through the practical end. I did Edinburgh. I'm I'm known to be an effective act in Edinburgh. Yeah, and my show, very much, a man, on a high prop. So I I thought I wasn't going to do a unicycle, but the ladder, is, doing the ladder unicycle. is a unicycle. It is a unicycle, it is, but, it's it is. but it's not. It looks but different, it, and there's different. Yeah. You're not. You don't need two people that no, help you up that on stuff. it and all yeah. that yeah. yeah but on paper my insecurity is on paper <laughs> my show is a Covent Garden show with a high high, pee, high prop yeah and duvet knives and I also do a strip yeah uh, you know male male nudity mm-hmm. pretend you know basic nudity it's gone over great strip by the way the strip here in the Middle East they love it yeah. um, but um, so on paper right, my insecurity is oh it's just this hack Covent Garden show that nobody wants mm. but um, like with a rubber glove it's 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 I think for that for that template the show I think has a lot of originality in it sure it's just that's not apparent from the description of the show right how the granular level of it has a, has a lot of originality so in Edinburgh people if you if you come as a new performer to Edinburgh and they go what shows you should see they say I'll go see because okay, so you'll like performers oh this is really like my show but performers yeah. <laughs> really like watching my show. Yeah, <laughs> which is it's, nice. It's a it's a nice show to watch. It's comfortable to watch. It's, yeah, it's an easy show to watch. It's yeah. not you know it's, it's yeah you're, it's refreshing in a lot of ways. Yeah, despite on paper sounding like yeah, that like show. a guy on a ladder yeah. juggling knives because yeah. that's not what it is. Yeah, but that's you know it's again it's all presentation. Like you're talking about the Rubik's cube. You can solve yeah. it in forty seconds, but if you do it in a different way it's about the presentation yeah. it's not this guy solving a Rubik's Cube it's yeah. like the process of solving a Rubik's Cube and what's involved yeah um, so I have a common garden question yeah um, what have you seen 13 years you've been there Eight, 18 Eight, 18 alright oh, 18 right because uh, 17 yeah yeah so what have you seen have you seen a difference in like audiences in common garden or the shows in common garden or like basically have you seen the difference in street theatre through Covent Garden yeah I don't know it's hard to tell because I've the first 10 years I was changing so much uh-huh. that I've got I've got no valid observations to make because <clears throat> you think it's getting better mm-hmm. because you're getting better <laughs> yeah so it felt like yeah 2001 to 2010 Covent Garden yeah the show's got bigger and the audience has got better but that was me and then it feels like it gets worse but that's because it stops getting better right so that feels like it's getting worse but that's you so it's hard to judge hmm. um, I don't know I think um, back, it feels like there's more background noise I used to work without a mic it used to be really usual to work without a mic at Gobble Gun that was half yeah half the people would work without a mic and now it's sort of unheard of even even at 10am yeah when you generally don't need it but now just as but the background noise is more, um, and even if it's not immediately more, there's background noise is more. You might get helicopters for protest more than you used to get. Okay. There's, there's, there's a machine that street that sweeps the streets 
which they use in the early times because there aren't people. This runs an engine. Right. That time used to be completely silent, so it'd be amazing, but now the machine comes through. Right. Um, and now also, almost to the point where it feels like if you don't... And I'm sort of averse to this, but it feels like some people feel if you don't have a microphone, you look unprofessional. Uh-huh. And I think that's a real shame because I think the natural... If you can make it theatrical without a mic, it's... It's, I prefer I prefer it yeah. and the connection you can get yeah. and I think we misunderstand how how it works especially if you're up on a high prop it, it, you know, or maybe this isn't just a thing I tell myself but it, it just felt like you used to be able to work without a microphone yeah. and now it's almost impossible do you find people are, are more distracted and have shorter attention span like I guess in general but I'm yeah, thinking I don't know again it's so subjective because it's based on your own you can only measure that through your show and it's what's well, going on your internal yeah. version of your show as you age is oh. so different to, <laughs> but yeah the, it was interesting watching cameras phone cameras happen yeah. video cameras happen yeah. you know you used to make jokes about somebody the two things you used to do jokes with is someone filming you and someone walking through with a mobile phone mm-hmm. and there's you know various people did them but and I think they owned them but yeah. for me it was always Pepe would be really loud and aggressive someone walked through on the phone and you go ah, ah, and follow that ah. yeah. and mobile phones used to be rare and they used to be a similar status and so yeah. that was really funny Yeah. and now they're neither of those things Yeah. and it's not even if the person's walking through really aggressively that joke has totally changed and it used to be if someone was filming you you'd do jokes about is your camera working? Is your camera working? Yeah. Like a loop or a freeze. Uh-huh. And no, that, that's not. There's no, no comedy there now. No. Everyone's filming all of the time. <laughs> yeah. And it used to be, yeah, ca- used to used to have a thing. We used to call them camera phones for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was phones. And yeah. Camera phones. Yeah. A camera phone was a phone that had a camera on it. We don't say camera phone anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you call your phone a camera. Yeah. yeah, and that's the other thing that so rarely use it as a phone. I th- yeah. Oh god, computer. Never call me. Nobody ever call me. Please. Yeah. And um, one thing I, part of my show, yeah, part of my show is is, is around that actually. Um, in my show, I do I do the strip at the end. I I try and again can sell it as a mistake. I try and convince the audience that it was a thing that someone in the audience was demanding. So I start, I'm clapping, clapping for the finale, clap, clap, clap along for the finale, clap, 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 and I make eye contact with someone who either isn't clapping and go, right, fine, fine, right, what do you want? What are you, yeah. you know, miming, what do you want? Right, yeah. throw my jacket on the floor, right, what do you want? <coughs> throw the waistcoat on the floor. You know, frustrated that, yeah. which comes out of an honest personal thing about mine being frustrated that somebody isn't clapping. So mm-hmm. this is my obsession with, which I haven't really talked about, which is my obsession with controlling their response and engineering the nuance of their response to a mechanic to a mechanical degree which sounds like it would make it synthetic it's not it's about conducting it not anyway yeah but um so yeah responding to someone not clapping and, and fine take fine shirt off fine because I wear a kilt on the ladder and it's um throw the shirt on the floor fine go to take the belt off and then there's a, well, you know, and then, oh, 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 sorry, across the line. I'm oh, not sure. Okay. Uh, it's up to you, your show. Let's have a vote. Clap and cheer for, strip mm-hmm. on, and then they cheer for, take the kilt off, and I throw the kilt on the floor, and I'm wearing bright underpants, and that's a fun reaction. Yeah. And then, and then I go, no, 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 and then I go back to my early days withdraw a pair of sunglasses from the butt of my <laughs> <laughs> underpants uh-huh. and put the sunglasses on, which weirdly, which is funny because it looks like, 
it's a payoff to the thing that they thought was a surprise, was obviously prepared, which is narratively satisfying. Yeah. And um, it all comes from your experience. But it all comes drama. from yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just a, it's just a silly fun thing, but it's a it, it works really well. And weirdly, when I'm wearing sunglasses and underpants and large black boots and large grey socks and a huge black belt, weirdly that outfit with sunglasses becomes an outfit. Yeah, and it doesn't look weird anymore. It's yeah. really awkward. This guy in the underpants and shoes mm-hmm. is horrible. Underpants and shoes is a yeah. horrible thing yeah. on anyone. Even swimming trunks on sh- and shoes. Yeah, with no top weird. is fantastic. <laughs> but sunglasses, not even on the eyes, just sunglasses on the head. Like, uh-huh. Suddenly, like, oh, it's, oh, it's like slightly kinky beachwear. This is fine. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's a belt. Shoes, the belt matches the shoes. The pants have a white trim. They match the white sunglasses. <laughs> Weird, it's so weird that it's fine. <laughs> you think they're noticing all these little details? But it is. Would yeah. you agree though? It's true, yeah, isn't it? Agree, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. if I if I don't have the sunglasses, it feels really weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like beachwear. Yeah. It's pants. It's yeah. like trunks. Oh, yeah. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. good. So the uh, what was I? What was my right beachwear in February? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in and, oh yeah, and it's great. And the funny thing about this is, in summer, they they like it. In the winter, they love it. Yeah, they love it. So yeah. funny. What, was, what the heck are I was? Why was I describing my the nuance of my finale? Well, first I was talking about people's attention span and the camera. Oh, the filming. Yes, this is okay. Yeah, there was a point. It's not just yeah, slapping yeah. myself in the back. So I would do this routine, and it developed. It used to just be to topless, and then um, in in Dublin, the Dublin Festival, which is now called used to be called the Street Performing World Championship, and now it's and called so the, the Leila Leila uh, Healthcare Spectacular, Spectacular, which is where we caught up for the first time in a while yeah. this year. You used to be a it used to be a competition and there used to be a prize. And yeah, it was a public vote, so you would petition them for your vote. You would, you would bottle us for money, but you'd also bottle for votes. Yeah, and there are lots of ripples choice backflippers and contortionists, and I was yeah. you know a chubby guy, and in my and, and I used to strip down to the, the keep the kilt on. It never occurred to me to do the kilt strip, and then I was like, hey, if I take the if I take the kilt off, I can say, look at these guys. These ripped acrobats setting unrealistic goals <laughs> to your children. Mm-hmm. Don't vote for them. Vote for me. Vote for the the chubby guy who asks questions and nods. <laughs> vote for me. You know, and that was the pit. And wow. that's where this routine. That's where it came out. That's where the underpants. We've seen now again. It seemed quite a classic thing. Oh, it's humiliating for a man. So it's funny. So this is only like nine years ago. So that was yeah. That's that that summer was yep. the, that gig was I think where was that routine. And then the end of it was this speech, which is. Again, I've always felt was um, a version of Sharon Mahoney's empowerment. Sure, She's yeah. always done this great thing about empowerment. Yeah, and I sort the of, I felt, I always felt awkward that I lifted it, the concept from her. It's funny the things that you think you take from people, and, and they're, they're like, like yeah, that's funny. That's, yeah. yeah, and for me, it was very transparent. Oh, I'll just, I'll take that, but not, you know, that'll work. And it is, and it's it, the, what started out as petitioning for votes at this one festival worked. So it's such a funny. That, that funny thing that turned into a big speech about body so I humiliate myself and get down to my underpants and then I go I say whatever I say but it's a speech about TV and people being attracted yeah and this is what a real man looks like and then like. The, 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 the last bit is this is what men are supposed to look supposed like supposed to look like yeah and it, it's, it's a great and yeah. it's about body image uh, and it's and it's it's fun, it's fun and it's a that's the routine that people oh you got to go see that that's the thing that sure. people talk about when they talk oh, about. I think I think part of the thing with your show is, is <coughs> it's got to be that your your background in drama is yeah. because the way you, the you craft the show is yeah yeah it does really have a different feel to it yeah just the fact that you bend down the start well that's from Paddy there yeah 
Was that? That's from Paddy. I think I took that. From, oh, was it from the early shows? Yeah, but, the, but there's just a lot of elements I think yeah. that, that lend itself to, you know, you're talking about this idea of like if you just write out what the show is, it's this Covent Garden show. But yeah. if you watch it, it's not that thing. Yeah. And it's these elements that are part of it that really. But with the with the cameras, I would see put this show. The 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 strip was the best thing in the show, and that speech, that that line. Man, especially it's the climax of the show is the, one of the best things in the show, but you can't sell it because it's um, a reveal. Yeah, so I give that away. Yeah, um, and then people are filming it, and, and this is so ten years ago. Over the last ten years, you'd see footage of yourself start to come up on YouTube more and more, and people would only ever put up the last bit. Yeah, and I always, without context, my body on the thing. Without it doesn't have the power that it. It's a really powerful routine mm-hmm. in the show. I'm controlling the audience and, and to a real specific degree for 40 minutes, and then at the end is this vulnerability, and it's real. And that vulnerability has real power and status, and I feel really confident doing it live and really happy about it. And then you take out the footage of that on its own on the video, and it looks ridiculous. It feels like this. Hey, look at this dumb guy. Yeah, you know, and it, yeah. and it's stripped of context. It doesn't have any of that power or any of that status, and yeah. it's sort of. Um, it, I did. I was uncomfortable with that situation, and I knew there's nothing I could do about that situation because people you're filming. And what I did was, I started directing the speech down the camera. I realised that the audience for that routine is the people who are there, but it's also the document of the footage that they make. And so I shifted that speech. So that speech is now um, not addressed to the audience. It's addressed to the people filming it. Are you looking for those people? So I look to the camera and I deliver it to you. So I reclaim the... So they can't say, look at this dumb guy. Yeah. And own the framing of it. But what if someone is filming over here and someone's filming over here? How are you going to... It just... (laughs) I don't know, in my head. In my head. in your head. That's what what it... And that's what I've done. That's how I've integrated the people filming. I see. uh, And and then the line is is that. It's... Hello, it's... Because the line is... Hello, hello, YouTube. Hello, the internet. Hello, people of the world. Right, I got you. you know, and th- and that's to the and at the end of the this what men are supposed to look like. Put that on YouTube. Right, and it's and it's me taking back the back power. the power of that fact that the show is the show, but it is also the document of the show. Oh, yeah, just trying to yeah, take control evolved of it. into the yeah yeah. Um, I think we've um, extended your time past. Do you want when you wanted to go? My familial obligations. Yeah, we're going yeah. to go to the aquarium. Yeah, you're going to go to the aquarium. Uh, thank you for uh, taking the time out of the thank busy you for me. morning. Yeah, of course. I've got into it now. I could. I feel like we've just started. Yeah, I know that happens. Yeah. Well, we got the recorder. There's always there's always more stories that can be told. But uh, I appreciate you taking the time to do it. And uh, we got a few more days of shows here in Sharjah. Let's let's educate them. Yeah. I think they're getting it. They're getting a little bit. I'm enjoying it. It'll be good. The weekend will be good. I'm relaxed now. Yeah, yeah the weekend will be great. Friday's going to be amazing. Yeah, should be. All right, go to the mall. Go to the aquarium. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. In the interview, Pete mentions Herbie Treehead's album Sleepy Songs and Not Very Sleepy Songs. If you don't know Herbie, he's a lovely clown that has a long history in street theater and is on my list of performers whose stories I'd like to include in this podcast. I put a link to his album in the episode notes. Pete provided me with a hunk of photos, so we've once again put together a YouTube slideshow of the interview, which you can check out on our channel. You'll also find a link to merchandise you can purchase that features the new logo. 
If you'd like to support the podcast and show off the cool new design, head on over to our online store. Thanks again to those of you who have already made purchases. Speaking of supporting the podcast, if you'd like to become a sponsor of the podcast or know someone who would, contact me at magic at buskerhalloffame.com. You can also visit the Busker Hall of Fame website and throw a little love into our online hat by clicking on the donate button or become a sustaining supporter of this podcast at patreon.com forward slash busker stories. Thanks in advance for supporting the project and helping keep busking history alive. Your support for the podcast will allow us to get episodes out more frequently and improve the quality of the recordings. Music for this podcast came from 357 Lover. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend about it and leave us a five-star review. It'll help get us noticed, and we'd really appreciate it. If you'd like someone to be interviewed or feel a certain voice has not been heard, please reach out to me and let me know. We're doing our best to capture interviews and stories with as many performers as we possibly can. It's up to you to help fill in the gaps. So on behalf of myself, Kim Potter for putting together the YouTube slideshow, and the rest of the team of the Busker Hall of Fame, remember, if you can't laugh at yourself, find someone else and laugh at them. I'm Magic Brian. Thanks for listening. <laughs>